that. <laughs> okay. Oh, where's our intro? There we go. <laughs> the Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Well, happy Friday, everybody. You heard us blabbing at the beginning. (laughs) I was wondering when the intro music was going to start. We have a special show today. Uh, I know I say that often, but but it really is special. We have Mari Smith on the line. Hi, Mari. Hello, greetings, Doug. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. And and Mari's uh, Mari's all the way in San Diego, and uh, and we've got her skyped in for our blog talk radio show. But um, interesting week this week. Um, lots of changes. I'm seeing a ton of activity in the tech world, and we can talk about some of those. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to us this week. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to our wee chat here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, now, Mari, you're in San Diego, but your uh-huh. your accent says something different. Yes, it is uh, quite a mixture. I'm a bit of a hybrid. I was born in Canada to Scottish parents. I lived there uh, in Canada in the boonies of BC for the first 12 years, and then went to Scotland for 20 years, and then I've been in California since 99, so I'm kind of a Scandifornian or something like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, a little-known fact, I lived in Port Coquitlam in, in uh, BC, Canada for six years. I actually graduated high school in Vancouver. Very nice. Yeah, my, awesome. My mom's Canadian and uh, or was Canadian and and uh, my grandparents were Canadian and I still have tons of friends all across Canada. So um, my my favorite country. Yes, Canucks rock. That's for sure. And you you set out in the boonies. So were you up in you know Kamloops or something or? A glo- well, not quite. No, I was interior BC and it was at the Kootenays, oh. Nelson, Balford Trail, all those places. Oh. Oh, beautiful country up there. Very, very nice. Not not too far from wine country. Well, and, and you make a good selection by going to San Diego, too. You know, I just love it. When that plane, when I fly all over the world, speaking and traveling, and, and whenever I come back home to San Diego and the plane comes in real low, if you've ever flown into San Diego, and it comes over Balboa Park and right over downtown, and I'm like, oh, I'm home. I love it. You see the harbor, the sailboat. Blue sky, palm trees, sunshine. <laughs> I'm like, yay! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's some of the most, um, what is it, like 72 degrees year-round. It barely changes. It's true, it's true. I think the weathermen in San Diego have a great job, eh? <laughs> Four-degree change and you guys are throwing on sweaters. It's true. Our, get our boots out, our fur, yeah. <laughs> Whole fur, uh-huh, yeah. Well, well, Mari, for some of the listeners who don't know you and, and uh, haven't heard you speak or read your book, can you tell us about your background and, and how you got into this game? I sure can. I like to joke about being an overnight success, 10 years in the making. Uh, maybe some people can relate to that. But uh, over the last 10 years or so, I've actually been very, very much in the world of e-commerce and Internet marketing, information, product creation, etc., and really just fascinated by that world for many, many years. I also have a real deep love of people and relationships, and I like to study psychology and what makes people tick and behavioral analysis and emotional intelligence and 
so when you blend those two worlds together, the world of people and connections and Internet technology, you get social media, and that's really what landed in my lap in 2007. I got invited to be on the beta test team of a Facebook application, uh, a friend of mine here in San Diego, in fact, uh, an app called Pod Class, where you can take and teach classes. And he asked me if, he would, if I would test out his app. And he was ecstatic on the day we were talking. He had just been approved as a Facebook app. And this was early in the day when Facebook was just launching their API for developers right. to, have, to have apps. And I've got to tell you, Doug, I'll never forget the day. Uh, I was a bit of a holdout. I had been on LinkedIn, Rise, Academy, MySpace, you name it. And none of these sites had really produced much in the way of business and networking and professional relationships. Um, and I just have my natural networker offline. So I'm like, okay, okay, you know, my friend's excited about Facebook. I better check it out if I'm going to test his app. But it was it was a beautiful, defining moment. I'll never forget. And I pulled up Facebook.com. I was like, whoa, there's something different about this site. I loved the energy, the vibe, the white space, the blue, the font, the beautiful layout and the uniformity of the profiles where you knew exactly where to find what on everybody's profile. And then there was this level of excitement and this vibe. We hadn't, I didn't think that we'd seen or felt this kind of excitement since back in the day when AOL would have those little chimes, you've got mail. And now it was like, <laughs> Facebook was like, you've got a friend. And like, everybody's <laughs> excited. And so I just fell in love with Facebook. And I, I really, I still am in love with them. They're my first love when it comes to social networks. <laughs> uh, and obviously the explosive growth, you know, speaks to the power of the medium as well. Truly, truly, yeah, yeah. So then, you know, just became an evangelist for them. And everywhere I went, saying to people, are you on Facebook? No, let me show you how to get on. <laughs> <laughs> well, now everybody's on. Truly, I know, 800 million and still growing. I wish, um, wish some of them would get off. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> All due respect, there's a place for everybody in the planet. But I must admit, my, I'm fascinated right now by the growth of Subscribers. If you've turned on subscribe on your personal profile, that is the fastest growing social channel I have ever seen, ever. I mean, I am looking at now, just this morning I grew by 1,000. I was at 39,500. I'm now 40,582 subscribers. My fan page only has 55,000 fans. It took me over three years to get that many. That's fascinating. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, really. Well, and, it, and it speaks to, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, obviously what you think relationship marketing is and hmm. but we're gonna talk about that a little bit. And do you think it's that, you know, it just goes to show that people the brand is okay. People don't mind the brand, but they really want to get to understand the people behind the brand. Hundred percent. I really do think that. I think that, you know, for the longest time Facebook has had this maximum limit of five thousand on the personal profile. You can have five thousand friends. And many of us chose to you know, really use our Facebook personal profile for for business purposes, for for you know, for networking and whatnot, and and that's fine, that's totally okay. But what's happened with this prescribed? I think it was a brilliant move on on Zuckerberg's part because all of the gazillions of people who've always wanted to be your friend, and you kind of you know turned them down for one reason or another. They can now be in a subscriber, and they feel almost as good as a friend because they can come and you know write on your content on your public updates. Just to be real clear, is your public updates right? And and it's just that bit more intimate. They feel more per personally connected to you versus a a fan page. Even though like my fan page is in the name of my business, 
and you know people just feel that 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 deeper connection through a profile plus the fact that, that Facebook seems to favor profiles in the news feed and the ticker I mean you don't see activity in the ticker coming from fan pages really sure. people interacting with fan pages but not the actual fan uh, page activity you know it's it's interesting I have a, a friend of mine Wendy Russell She's actually up in up in Toronto, and and uh, if she's listening, I'll give her a call out because she just got an incredible uh, TV producer job with CTV. So um, we're going to hear more from Wendy. But um, so Wendy Wendy had a show on uh, Home and Gardens TV. It was called She's Crafty, and uh, and what was funny was before she knew how to make a Facebook page, she of course went out to Facebook and and made her page. Well, fans started finding her and following her, of course, and then she got to a level of kind of uncomfortableness where, where you know, they didn't have the subscribe feature back then. And so when she started to finally, when she put up a Facebook page and she started asking people to migrate, <laughs> some people actually got quite upset that, you know, she was kind of, you know, trying to get them off her personal, you know, Facebook page and it was a pretty tough transition. It still is. I think she's still trying to to get make that transition. Well, that was going to be my question. You know, obviously the especially in the marketing tech world, um, the lines between personal and professional accounts are completely blurred. Um, you know, and my my personal Twitter account is also you know my somewhat of my business account. So I guess. Um, Mari, would you like to touch on what you think about in terms of privacy and business versus personal accounts? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and this is is that Valerie? Uh, Jen. It's Jen. Jen. Lee. Jen. Hello, Jen. Hello. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> I was looking at all the Twitter IDs that uh, Doug had just recently tweeted out. <laughs> Um, well, Jen, yeah, you know, that's a brilliant point. It's really fascinating to me that, that, you know, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's mission for the longest time with Facebook is to, is to, um, I was going to say the word force, force, aka invite <laughs> the world to be more open and more connected and to share more. And so absolutely the lines are being blurred between personal and, and business. And when the subscribe button was first launched in mid-September, one of the first things we saw Mark do was to merge his fan page into his personal profile. And instantly he had like, you know, 13 million subscribers. Um, and so now he no longer has a page. He's a public figure. Uh, with with subscribers, oh, 9.6 million as his subscribers. Very interesting, and 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 it was an inside job. You can't. There's not a button that you can opt to decide. You know, I want to merge my fans and in now into subscribers, but I know that they reached out to people like Robert Scoball, Jesse Stay. You know, people that are you know active, active personality brands, even if you will. Um, interestingly enough, I didn't get the call myself from Mark. Uh, <laughs> my turquoise bone didn't ring, but I don't mind because I, I actually quite like to keep them separate. I'm really enjoying experimenting with the, with the two different channels and keeping my fan page with its primary purpose of helping people uh, with their Facebook marketing and their, their use of Facebook. But the personal, I can experiment and mix it up and throw in little pieces here and there about my different interests, 
Um, but I still, no matter where I'm sharing, even in the privacy of a Facebook secret group, for example, I'm I'm always cautious about what I'm sharing where, and I just run it through constantly. We'll run it through my three-part filter, which is, would I be comfortable with this on the front page of the New York Times? Am I okay with this being found in a Google search in years to come? Because it's all been archived. And would I be proud of my own mom to see this? And that's kind of my my ethical rudder, as, as Daniel Goleman calls it, the, the emotional intelligence guru, so that I just can sleep peacefully at night knowing there's nothing online that I, I don't personally want to be online, you know? And, and, uh, and, you know, I completely agree with you that people should go through filters. I don't think enough people will think about filtering their content, but at the same time, that brings up the point of, you know, are you really yourself online, I guess? You know, and that's yeah. thing I struggle with. You know, my especially my Twitter account, like that's. I know, I know, I'm not. I wouldn't have any followers if people really knew. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting? I, I've recently heard a relatively new term. We've always heard about being transparent and being authentic, but people have a lot of fear around transparency because they think they have to live in a glass house. But guess what? There's this one. Maybe it's been around for years, but I only just recently heard it, and it's called selective transparency. <laughs> it's kind of an oxymoron, but you know. Well, it's, but it's like that with everything, right? You just mentioned it. You know that you have your own, you know, your own filtering even between your family and and your friends. Everybody, everybody has that filter. Everybody, you know. I mean, you, you know, Jen's, Jen's heard me say bad words before, <laughs> but I would never write them in my blog or say them on the radio show. Uh-huh. I, I might have touched on them a couple times, but <laughs> but I try to avoid them at all costs because I, you know, I know that there's people out there that would get offended at that, and that's the last thing that I want to do. Um, I want to respect the people that are following me. It's not about me being transparent. I think it's 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 more trying to respect why they're there and what value I'm bringing them. Mm-hmm. And I I think as long as you're filling that need, you know, you've got a fan, right? Truly, yeah. And it's a matter of a balance, a fine balance between sharing as much of yourself as you're comfortable and giving people what they need. And, in fact, even another component is being mindful and strategic about your positioning in the marketplace. I had a person one time, a a colleague of mine in social media a couple years ago now, and and he says, Mari, I've been analyzing your tweets. I've figured out your formula. You are like 42% uh, what do you say? Something like 42% business and you know, whatever, 58% uh, personal. And I just started laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, where on earth did you get that formula? <laughs> and I said to him, you want to know something funny? Uh, I'm actually 100% business. And that really threw him. And I took a look, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you the relationship person? How can you be all about business? I'm like, well, I mean that by exactly as you're saying here, Doug, is like being thoughtful, mindful, strategic, thinking about even when I'm sharing, you know, personal nuggets and tweeting pictures of my travels or my fruit in my garden or whatever. It's like I'm thinking about how does this impact my brand? Does this actually create the same uh, message and positioning that I want it to create, you know? And is that, you know, I mean, you, you talk a lot in your book about loyalty. Is that, you know, what what aspects of what you're sharing, you know, what aspects of those from a personal standpoint and business standpoint build that loyalty with your network? You know, I think one of the key components 
components that builds loyalty is consistency. It's when you consistently show up and you're congruent. You're the same person inside and out. You're the same person online and offline. People meet you if ever they get a chance to meet you in person. They're like, oh, my God, you're exactly like I thought you would be like. And that um, you are seen as someone who they can rely upon to consistently provide value and consistently respond best you can. I mean, sometimes, you know, in any given day, I just I can't possibly respond to all my tweets. I would love to be able to thank everybody that retweets me or, you know, like today's Friday and get a lot of follow Fridays. And I wish there was like like the Facebook like button. I would love a face. I'd love a, I love a Ed thanks button on Twitter. Just a wow. little button. You can just go, thanks, 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 thanks. Yeah. But it sends the message. I saw, I got your tweet. I saw it. I'm grateful that you took a moment to retweet me or recommend me on cloud or whatever, right? Now, now that, that oh, you're going to get me ranting now. <laughs> because because what I see is, I, I do see, and and I'm I mean this absolutely, I'm being genuine, that, you know, obviously, you know, we... I think I started following you probably a couple months ago when I, I read about your book and you have had explosive growth. I'm not sure how I missed you <laughs> out there. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I've, I've seen with you is that you are accessible uh, and you're accessible regardless of people's influence. And one of the things that I think um, or I feel uh, is, is that there seems to be a, a class system a little bit with the social media guys, you know, that, that the people at the very top, if you follow them on Facebook or Google or Twitter and you respond to them, unless you're a large influencer, they don't, they don't respond very well. And, and I feel like, you know, these are the very same people that are, are trying to educate the masses on exactly what you were talking about, consistency and, and be who you are online and offline. But yet these guys, you know, they wouldn't be seen without, you know, with some of their followers. Yeah, well, I, I, this is such a valid point. And thank you so much for your kind words. That's just beautifully stated. You're accessible regardless of people's influence. That is really my internal motto and to me, everybody's important by virtue of they're on this planet. And if somebody's being obviously a troll or mean or negative, well, I'm not going to give them the time of day. But if somebody is asking for help, I'm not going to go and check and see, well, wait a second, how many followers do they have? Well, okay, how big is this person? Let's see, do I, do I want to give them my, my, my time? To me, it's like Guy Kawasaki talks about the nobodies are the new somebodies. I, I, I wish I could come up with a better way to phrase that, but everybody understands what Guy means by that. It's like everybody's important. We could just say it that way. Everybody's equal to me. And I know of companies who shall be nameless that – if you are calling in for customer support, they will check your clout score. And if oh. you have a high clout score, they're going to elevate you up the chain. Oh, that's so painful. That is yep. so painful. I know. Well, you got another compliment. Kevin Mullet's in our, our chat room, and he said, Mari is very accessible, transparent, and real. So, oh, thank you. Um, Thanks, Kevin. High five. <laughs> <laughs> So you just spoke about one, I think, one of the biggest mistakes. But what are some some of the other big mistakes that you you that you're observing businesses make out there? 
Well, uh, a similar kind of cousin to what we're talking about here would be um, businesses that set up their social profiles and then they predominantly treat them like one-way broadcast mechanisms, that they're kind of really more going with the old-school transactional um, marketing approach versus the relationship marketing approach. And, you, you know, content is one component of great social media marketing. You have to be, you know, broadcasting some good content for people to engage over. But if you are not, if you're completely ignoring your at mentions column, which I think a lot of people do, I think nobody's ever sat down and shown them, did you know there's an at mentions column here? <laughs> you yeah. might occasionally check it and reply to people. And then also the DM. Now, I know, I mean, the DM box is a, is a personal choice. I actually love the DM box. I just, I have a way of quickly managing and keeping the spam down to a minimum. I tend to just delete a lot of it on my, my iPhone. It's real easy. But I think that when you really open up the floodgates and allow yourself as a business person to be um, two ways to be communicating, if you're a you know small to medium, excuse me, if you're a medium sized to large sized brand, you can afford to put some resources in place and have someone be responding and uh, interacting with people. And it sends such a loud message to people, you know. And I think there's a lot of airlines out there that do well at that, Southwest, Virgin, and there's, uh, you know, Starbucks tend to lead the way when it comes to engagement. But you don't have to be a giant brand with a lot of resources. It's A, a lot of it, truthfully, is managing your time and being systematic and just consistently, you know, popping on. You can pop onto Twitter in a couple of minutes here, there, and here and there, uh, throughout the day on your mobile device, and 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 really, it, it might appear to some people you're online like all day, but it's just it's enough that people see you uh, engaging and responding. Well, and and exciting news on that front. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the Data Sift launched, uh, which is Nick Halstead's uh, company. Mm-hmm. He started TweetMeme, and and it'll be interesting to see Data Sift basically is one of the uh, one of the authorized pipes, I guess, to start basically collecting the entire feed of, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook, and and what it's going to allow companies to do is actually analyze um, their communication over time, you know. So right now, I think I think companies aren't that afraid, you know, if they don't respond to anybody because, you know, who's really mentioning anything about it? But over time, they're going to start to get gauged on their responsiveness. Yeah. You know, and they're going to start to get uncovered as, you know, companies that really don't care or don't listen. And it's not just going to be a comment here and there. There's actually going to be strong data backing up, you know, what kind of company they are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's exciting. I mean, that's good news. That's really good news. Well, let's let's take a short break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, play just a 45-second ad, uh, one of our sponsors, Slingshot uh, SEO. And we'll be right back with Mari Smith. Searching for a bigger online footprint? Slingshot SEO, helping deserving brands achieve growth through Internet searches. A passion to maximize the science of search translates into action plans for deserving brands like yours. Shaping online conversations about your business and making your business more visible to search engines. 
Slingshot SEO, digital relevance for deserving brands. Visit SlingshotSEO.com for more information or call 888-603-7337. Let them know you heard about them on the Marketing Technology Blog. here on Blog Talk Radio, thanks to them. So they, they put our bill every month. <laughs> um, well, of course, you know, your book came out, did, did it come out October 28th? 25th, yeah. 25th, uh-huh. sorry. Um, Close. Well, let's talk about the definition of relationship marketing. Obviously, how businesses do business has changed drastically over, you know, the past century. So what is relationship marketing today? Well, I actually think that relationship marketing has been around since the dawning of man. You know, we've we've done business with people we know, like, and trust for forever. Um, But it turns out, when I was researching the book, uh, and I've called myself a relationship marketing specialist for uh, about 10 years now, long before social media was a buzzword or Facebook even existed. I just have always loved the blend of the people and the business in uh, in that terminology. And it turned out um, relationship marketing was coined as a term in the mid-1980s. And basically the simplest definition is if you think of traditional marketing as transactional focused. It's typically a business or business person is looking at the um, is looking at the sale immediately in front of them. They want to close that deal. Whereas relationship marketing is long-term focused. You are focused on building customers for life and sustaining and nurturing and building those relationships. And then the new, I added the new part into the title because what is new about relationship marketing is the online social networks where consumers are sharing a vast amount of information about themselves. And as a savvy marketer, you can tap into a lot of that data. You can use it to highly, highly customize the experience of your prospects and customers, add them to what's called an SCRM, the Social Customer Relationship Management Systems. I, I, I love the fact that you said it's always been here. I've been screaming from the top of my lungs about that. <laughs> Good. When everybody says this is new, this is new, this is new, the uh-huh. medium is new, but you're absolutely right. I. I I joke with people, I say, go back to the term marketing. It starts with the word market, which meant that you took your wares down to the market and you sold them, and it was that you shook hands and looked people in the eye and people got to know you, and that's how they brought, you know, that's how you converted them. But everybody thinks that marketing started with brands. Well, no, brands actually kind of, you know, hid marketing, you know, and and companies started to hide behind these brands and slogans and logos and everything else. And and I feel like, you know, this is just a reemergence. We're going back to our roots that we've been craving this our our entire lives. That we want to get to know people. We wanna we want to love the companies that we work with. You know, we want them to appreciate our business. Um, and we we do business with people that we like, and we do business with people that think like us. And and this is just the you know the most incredible time in our lives where we're finally breaking free from the you know from the logo chain, I guess. 
Yes, yes, I 100% agree. And, you know, Doug, I just love your passion. I really feel your deep passion and connectedness to this whole topic and how, you know, what's exciting today is the technology and that people are like, oh, my gosh, finally, you know, we've got this technology. But it's really taking what was always been happening offline onto the online, and we are, in essence, getting back to basics. And I actually think one of the reasons that online social networks like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, now Google+, have become so popular is at a a very human fundamental level that these networks meet the need for us to know that we matter, that we make a difference. We're not alone. We're more alike than we are different across countries and cultures all over the world and that we absolutely can do business with, uh, you know, people on a global basis. Oh, that's beautifully put, beautifully put. Um, you're you're absolutely right. You, in, in fact, you got a smiley face from the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> nice, so nice. You can be being positive during the room. So, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right, Jen's gonna ask another one. Okie dokie. Oh. Okay. Do you have any tips on how businesses can best handle negative comments, trolls, and spammers? You know what, Jen, that's actually in the different audiences that I come across, and maybe you guys have found this too, that the, one of the top reasons that companies and business owners resist fully integrating social media is because of fear of negative comments, yep. specifically around a Facebook fan page, because there's been some PR disasters. I mean, we saw it was about a year ago when Nestle had the big thing, and Recently, Heinz Ketchup, they just launched a big you know, new product in the U.S., and it went well in the U.K., but they screwed up royally on the, in the U.S., and the app didn't work, and they had all this buildup, and then there's like technical hiccups up the wazoo, and the thing was a big flop, um, you know, which they had to kind of get in there and, and rescue. So the thing is that, unfortunately, as human nature, you're going to, at some point or another, uh, need to deal with negativity, with criticism, with customer complaints, and nowadays with obviously with spammers and with what are called trolls. You know, and it's um, I think trolls has probably been <laughs> it's been like an underground term for a while, but now it's becoming mainstream. We know that a troll is someone that's just taken upon themselves to to you know make somebody's life a misery or attempt to at least and get their number one thing that a troll wants is is attention. So if you you have to discern, like on a fan page, spam's pretty easy to de- to detect, detect, and you want to um, delete it as quickly as possible. You can set up the moderation block list to have it filter right off the page, even you know if it doesn't even get posted. But trolls, delete, block, ban, ignore, get rid of them. Don't give them the time of day because they just want attention. I'm, unfortunately, right? I'm so glad you said that because I think. Um, you know, early the the early days, the early days of social media. A few years ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody used to say, no, no, leave that out. Leave, you know, you don't want to ever, you know, block someone like that because you know then you're not being transparent. And I used to argue with them and say, no, this is this is our livelihood. This is these are the companies that we're putting our hearts into, and there's families that depend on these incomes, and people want to do a good job there. And if someone says something really terrible about my company, if it's critical, you know, if it's criticism that's, that's, that's you know, let's say it's negative criticism, but it's accurate. I, yeah, it's constructive. Right. I don't mind responding to it. But when it's just trolling and it's negative in nature and the only, the only purpose of it is to hurt, I absolutely say protect your company. 
you know, take it off. But yeah, but here's the thing. So there is a distinction because if they're trolls and spammers, get rid of it. Yep. There, but occasionally you may come across someone on Twitter or Facebook or wherever who maybe they're a former employee or former either client or they tried to be a client and they had a bad experience or even just they got kept on hold for a minute longer than they wanted to be or whatever. It's so important to not delete that stuff right. and to step in immediately and have a policy ahead of time to know who handles it, how does it get handled, what actions are taken. And you have a golden opportunity, which I, I think this is phenomenal, and people just, it's just a mental reframe even, that you can step in there and just have this beautiful opportunity to turn a situation around and get a customer for life. And all with all the time, all the while, people watching you going, oh my God, did you see that company, how they handled so-and-so's complaint that went over backwards and over-delivered, and now, you know, I mean, who, Ramon de Leon of... Um, Chicago uh, Domino's Pizza, there was something about a gal had gotten, her pizza was delivered late, and he created this video apology for her, it went totally viral over like thousands and thousands of views, and and it was just beautifully done, a great example of handling a negative and turning it into a positive. Well, and, and it truly can turn it into a positive. I, I know the, the earliest case that I remember was uh, DreamHost. And the the blog is still their blog is still out there with this post. It was called Anatomy of a Disaster, and it was basically when they were shifting data centers, basically thousands of their clients were were off, just off. Their their websites not found, and um, and DreamHost instantly came out and started blogging like by the minute, you know, on exact, on exactly what was happening. And I remember reading in the comments and some of the people were obviously critical of the company because this was their business that was at, at risk. Um, but the majority of them actually said, Josh, thank you so much for being open and honest with us. We're never leaving dream toast. And I remember checking their stats like a year after that and they had skyrocketed after that episode. And it was because people People appreciated the fact that they were honest about it. I think I think one of the things we live in politics, especially, we live in this world that we're expecting everybody to be perfect. Right. Whenever they're not, the the you know the not just the trolls, but everybody attacks. Well, he you know he said the word wrong. You know he's an idiot. You know mm -hmm. and and um, and everybody piles on. And I think. The reality of it is we all feel comfortable that when we watch someone else make a mistake, we go, oh, yeah, I've done that doozy before. You know, I know exactly how they feel. We empathize with them and we appreciate that honesty. And those are the people that we want to do business with. Right, right. And that's why it's so important to humanize the brand. So even if you're, you know, a, a giant household name brand, it's real people. I like to replace the acronyms B2B and B2C with P2P. It's people to people. No matter who you're doing business with, it's people. You don't do business with a logo or a building or an office or whatever. And so when you can come out from behind the brand and have a spokesperson or spokespersons and they're basically, like you're saying, putting their hands up and going, whoa, we screwed up royally here. Let us let us step in and scoop up and help and be honest and, and you know, please bear with us while we clean this up. But, you know, uh, that's that. People just want the truth. That's it. Give them the truth. They can handle it. Well, and, yeah, and do we really want to, you know, do I want a customer that expects perfection? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're high maintenance ones. You might want to go that <laughs> I mean, I, I know I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Amari, you know, this has been a question for a while, um, but do you think businesses today are missing out if they're not on all the major social networks, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus, or do you think businesses can be successful if they're, you know, if they focus on maybe only one or two? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was I was on a, a live um, TV broadcast yesterday, and I did say to the viewers that you know that you're basically um, you cannot you can't afford to not be on Facebook anymore. And I had a few people take issue with me on that. I'm like, okay, well, that's fair enough, but at least give it a good run, and then you can decide for yourself. Because 800 million people, half of which log on daily, average session time 55 minutes. Now with this new subscribe, as we've been talking about, and some of the new features and the timeline and the new apps. I mean, people are spending more and more and more time on Facebook. So I really do think that, um, you know, you could well be leaving money on the table if you're not fully integrating Facebook into your marketing. However, I usually say to people of all the different social networks out there, and there's the big four, obviously, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus now, select two at most, and depending on how your resources and your available time and your objectives, but for now, select two, uh, and the, the choice would come about with the greatest overlap of the platforms that you you personally enjoy the most and ideally where the bulk of your target market is. So let's say that you're predominantly uh, B2B and you're, you're upper management and you're wanting to network and uh, with other uh, professionals. LinkedIn is probably going to be your place, but if you really dislike the site, you can't get into it, I don't know. I mean, I've tried over the years really, really hard to fall in love with LinkedIn, and I just can't make myself. Uh, I'm just such a chatter. You know, I'm I'm a chatterbox, so I I love the sites like Facebook and Twitter and Google+. You just don't want to make money now. What's that? Oh well, all the MLM, you know, make money now. Oh, where? But they're not on uh, LinkedIn, are they? Oh yeah, in the groups, I I think speakers have really just kind of taken over the whole groups on LinkedIn. Oh no. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit terrible, and and Twitter too. I think the noise ratio has 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 gained significantly. Um, You know, an interesting perspective on that was uh, we had Justin Kistner on. And I don't know if you know Justin, he's social media director at, at uh, WebTrends. And so he does a lot of the work with the big, uh, with their big clients. And what they're finding with Facebook that companies need to realize is that um, they're actually creating direct paths to conversion within Facebook. And what I mean by that is I think the old, the old adage was, well, you wanted to have a presence on Facebook, and that directed people back to your site and back to your brand and everything else. And that's still works today, you know, that you can have, you can have, a, you know, a presence there and people come back. But the new wave, especially with apps and the security integration and everything else, is that you can have people convert on Facebook and you can have people subscribe to your newsletter there. You can have people buy your products directly from a Facebook page, register for demonstrations directly from a Facebook page, download white papers directly from a Facebook page you don't have to lead them back to your site anymore because of how open the, you know, the Facebook applications are. And, and that brings a, you know, that, that, that really with 800 million people on there, um, you know, that's something that businesses have to take into consideration is that, you know what, this might be a parallel strategy with our website that, 
we attract people from search and everything else with our website, but Facebook is going to be have to, you know, we're going to have to um, build a custom presence in there where people can convert for us. It's true. And, you know, there's a, a fairly new term called F-commerce. You can learn for a little bit. What we are going to see going forward in the next three to five years, F-commerce is going to be massive, yep. absolutely humongous. Facebook commerce, like e-commerce, you're going to see more and more and more of these commerce apps. In fact, um, let me try to remember the guy's name now. So I'm going to spell Ken. His Twitter ID is at Ken Radio. And he actually said earlier this year that by 2015, Facebook will be the largest bank in the world. I'm like, what? <laughs> Rutkowski, Ken Rutkowski. Um, and, and that's just, that's a bold bold statement, but I understand where Ken was going with that. It means with, when, by Facebook credit, didn't just like yesterday, Facebook hooked up with PayPal. Now you can send and receive money through PayPal on Facebook. Right, right. Well, and, 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 you know, thank goodness that's happening, too, because obviously the banks are kind of standing still and not doing anything. <laughs> true, um, true. You know, I think it's good. Google Wallet, I saw, is, is starting to really expand significantly. Visa, I think, just started their own mobile payment system. Um, and then these large companies that have large cash flows are actually starting to do things like, Build incubators and and start starting to lend money and offer you know Microsoft small business um, Microsoft will set you up with servers development training an account manager for pennies you know compared to you know what it took you know five years ago so thank goodness they are um, doing it because I think it's they're seeing the explosion online and and now they're not waiting for other people to you know, supplement that, you know, the, that that wave that's coming. They're actually creating the wave themselves. Precisely. And you may as well meet people where they're at. People are spending an inordinate amount of time on Facebook. It's a whole new ecosystem. It's like it's the next generation Internet. In fact, that's what it is. <laughs> someone wrote, someone, Jason Bean wrote, he hears that there's an Occupy Facebook movement. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Everybody's occupying Facebook already. Yeah, I know. That started years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're early adopters. So, Mari, what's you know? We only have a few more minutes with you, and thank, thank, oh, just thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Um, where can people find you online, and, and most of all, um, get your book and uh, and then find you at a next speaking engagement. Well, thanks for asking. Definitely marysmith.com. That's M-A-R-I, Mari like Ferrari. <laughs> I used to say calamari, and then I upgraded to Ferrari. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Some people are allergic to calamari. Yeah, right. I didn't like allergic to a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I, I didn't care for the squid reference. <laughs> but in any case, marysmith.com, and then they'll see uh, the fourth link in is books. And uh, just click on books or go to marysmith.com slash books, same place. And you'll find out information all about my new books and new relationship marketing. It's available anywhere books are sold and on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in Nuke and Kindle. It's coming out in Spanish. It was only at one week, and we already got the Spanish translation down. Nice. And I'm hoping to narrate it pretty soon, do an audio version. Uh, also, the book comes with a free series of webinars, completely on the honor system. They can find out about that at the uh, marsh.com slash books. 
And what I mean by that is you don't need to submit your proof of purchase, your receipt or anything. Just get the book at some point in any format and uh, do join me on these free webinars. And of right, course, so everybody who's listening, that doesn't mean that you go to the bookstore and look at the last page of the book. <laughs> you actually need to buy it. At some point, yeah, and it's an honor system. Like I say, I just go ahead and I, I just go ahead and, and go ahead and give them, give them the uh, honor system. I know, it, I trust at some point they'll they'll handle it, they'll get it. And Mari, where are you speaking next? I, uh, you know what? Let's see. I do have my calendar of events. I don't think I have any public events now until the new year. I got a couple of events coming out, some private retreats and whatnot. So um, we're just mapping out the new year, and they can find out about that on the. Uh, on the marysmith.com slash uh, we're speaking. Just click on speaking. Great. And, the and you know, we have a lot of companies and a lot of, uh, you know, enterprise uh, marketers on the line. You're available for corporate uh, private as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be doing a lot more corporate in the new year, new year in fact. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to we, – we've seen an explosion in growth there as well. It looks like we're going to we're gonna do our first um, long series of training for – a large corporation, which is really exciting for us. Congratulations, so, that's awesome. Oh, it is. It's 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 incredible. It's what I love to do. I love educating people. So, um, thank you so much again for taking the time. I know we've used it up, but this is this has just been such a pleasant conversation. Likewise, I look forward to staying in touch. And uh, I'm Mari Smith all over Twitter, Google, Facebook. So we'll connect on those sites too. Absolutely. Thanks, Mari. And Take we're going to go to a commercial, and we'll be right back. But Mari will be heading out. Zoomerang Online Surveys and Polls is the fastest and easiest way for your business to create and send surveys online. With Zoomerang, you can create unlimited surveys and polls and send them via email, Facebook, Twitter, or embed them on your website or blog. You can view results in real time and start making better business decisions immediately. Use Zoomerang Online Surveys to get customer or employee feedback, test a business idea, plan events, and more. It's easy, fast, and best of all, free. Join over 2 million satisfied users and sign up for free at Zoomerang.com. Well, that was a fantastic show. I, man, she's just an energy, huh? Yeah, and, you know, this is Harry Howe, but, you know, perhaps a question for me that I would ask, you know, Doug, you and, and Jen. I, I have a new client, and he needs a new website, and, it, you know, what is kind of coming to my mind is, you know, given if you were starting from ground zero, would it just make more sense to, you know, as opposed to creating the traditional website just to get started on Facebook and let, you know, focus, you know, he's got a minimal amount of uh, time and effort he can apply to this and, and maybe he would be best served just focusing on you know, getting himself set up on Facebook and letting that be his website. What What are your thoughts? I, I'm still. Uh, uh, it still makes me sweat. <laughs> you know, I still think that the what a website provides, um, what a website provides people that you know I want them to check us out is my our image, our voice, and and even though you can get voice to some extent on Facebook, it's just not the same as, you know, designing a site that is you and your personality and, so, so and would, everything else. Would it make any difference that this 
company isn't fact just one person you know I don't, and, and I don't business is him I don't think so in fact I, I you know it's a lot like I, I, you know in my opinion and this is just my opinion is it's like getting a business card from somebody and it's a, at gmail address okay. on the back of it uh, when I see that I go they're not really serious now now I just offended half the <laughs> listeners out there but but uh, but when someone shows me a business card and they haven't taken the time to put up their own right. website right. And, and material, it makes me wonder whether they really are they, real? are they yeah have they made the investment? And it's not saying that that was the intent. Right. It's what the perception you know perception and intent are two different things. So my personal feeling on it is look, you can go out and get a five dollar a month hosting package. And a $15 template, you know, and have a beautiful, beautiful, I mean beautiful website up in a matter of an hour, right? And and then and then supplement that with Facebook and, and everything else. But I just, you know, back when it cost $20,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 to build a website, I would have said to you, you know what, you're right. Um, definitely um, go that route. But but now I just say, you know what? It's so cheap just to start that up that just do it. I have a weird sound coming from. Somebody Is somebody calling me? Yes. Was that what it was? Oh, they were calling me. They're not anymore. <laughs> so so that's my my two senses. I still think there's an incredible opportunity for people just to build a cheap site, get it up there, and cheap meaning inexpensive, not cheap looking and uh and and get a personality out there so and you kevin kevin mullet's in there he said you don't own it you know when it's on facebook and and that's that's a fact too you know i haven't heard horror stories lately but we went through our own last year where you know facebook kicked me off for a good four days there and it dropped all of my facebook sites all of them gone poof you know and uh, and we got them back, but they they thought basically I was an administrator on a number of other sites, client sites. Mm -hmm. One of my clients was targeted for spam. Mm -hmm. Now they didn't spam, but they were targeted. So Facebook turned off their account. What basically happened was it rolled up to every administrator and rolled down to every site that any administrator. So it not only took down my sites, it took down all of my client sites as well on Facebook. And stuff like that really concerns me that, okay, now you've lost that entire network there. You know, and, and that's why, you know, from a protection phase, I always want to get people's email address. I always want to get that contact information so that one day, you know, nobody expected MySpace to go anywhere either, right? One day if Facebook goes away, I've still got the network. I still have that, you know, have yeah, those people. That's good. good advice. Well, I think we can wrap up the show. That was that was incredible. I mean, she was just a ball of energy. Wow. I'm just... Well, and I, I enjoyed her accent. It was, yeah. It's pleasant. The Scottish-Canadian, yeah, San Diego. Pleasant. Uh, I joke with people that I, I had a, you know, I grew up in Connecticut, so I had this awful, you know, I'm going to offend people again, but I had that, you know, almost Bronx accent. You know, it was a really, really rough New England accent. And uh, and when I moved up to Canada in high school, 
I, I joke, but it's not a joke. It, they basically beat it out of me. I got in fights every day because of my accent. And uh, and so I had the quickest Canadian accent of, of any teenager. <laughs> and then uh, and then when I moved from Canada back to the states, I joined the Navy. I lost the Canadian accent really fast when I joined the Navy. So now I am the non-accent guy, you know. But it's it, the only the only exception is I have a cousin Cindy that when she gets to talking to me the 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 New England thing just kind of starts rolling back and and I have to you know push it back a little bit but pretty pretty funny um, but uh, thanks Muhammad Muhammad's in the room yeah. where do people find you at came in a little bit late um, don't tell us they didn't know that and he's with HCCMIS, and they do uh, incredibly affordable uh, travel insurance, international travel insurance. Yep. Uh, so go to HCCMIS.com. And we have our, the great Harry Howe in the room. Well, I, I don't know about great, but I'll, I'll take it if, if that's what uh, is being given. Harry Howe, Howe Leadership. You can find me at HowLead.com, and I work with the entrepreneurs who have become victims of their own success. And, and Harry has worked with us on a number of projects and just just knocked it out of the park every single time. He's a he's a really, really strong partner of DKD Media, so we appreciate everything he does. And then we have the Jen Lisak. Yeah. The ringleader of this operation. Um, yeah, you can find me online at jlisak on Twitter or... Um, and you have your own blog, too. Tell everybody that. JenLisak.com. That's L-I-S-A-K. Yes. Jen Lisa K. Easiest way to explain it. Jen Lisa K. Oh. J-E-N-N. Q-N. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm particular. Um, yeah. You didn't buy all the domain alternatives? No. Oh. Yeah, you should have just got them all. Yeah. I don't want to be <laughs> angry. Yeah. L-E-E-S-A-K. S-I-K. Dave Woodson said he thought it was Jill Lisek. I know. Everybody thinks it's Jill. It's not Jill. It's J-L-I-S-A-K. Not Jill. I don't think so. Thanks, Dave, for that. Not the most important here in Indianapolis, actually, I guess, um, elsewhere also. Um, obviously, in the, or at the Indiana Social Media Lunch. Yay! First, going to be infographic uh, strategies to evolve for kind of this, this, this huge trend of infographics over the past year. Um, why it's been so big and uh, how to make sure yours pops. And that's so, December 1st. That's going to be December 1st. What uh, time? So you didn't have tickets. Um, and we're lucky enough to get those in the first 10 minutes. Then, oh, are they gone? They're, they're gone in 10 minutes. Well, why did you even announce this? However, they also just <laughs> live stream this um, via there you YouTube go. on their, um, their other channel. So if you haven't gotten a ticket, by all means, jump in. And this is Chuck Joseph's group? Yep. Love, yeah. love that. Nice to get crowd and participate there. And uh, what's their hashtag for people that want to just listen? It is pound in the SM. I-N-D-Y-S-M is the um, hashtag they use throughout the session. And they and they have their own Twitter as, as well, they right? They do. They have their own Twitter, which is in the SM. They have the website, which is in the SM.org. Um, they generally have information there about the live streams and that sort of thing. So it's an awesome event. They're, they're a great group of folks there. Really have some very amazing events, great people there, and great topics. So, well, obviously you're speaking. So, hey, 
that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.